This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, good morning, Heidi, from California. Hi, Mom, from here in New York City. <laughs> the bi-coastal mother-daughter team. <laughs> We've got a great guest today, Heidi, and um, we love her because she is our forum editor for The Death of a Young Child for Open to Hope, and she does a wonderful job and has written some great books, and uh, we know Alice well, right, Heidi? Absolutely. I feel like I really know Alice because Alice really knows how to get her message out in the social, in so, using social media. She is out there on the Internet all the time talking about hope and healing and inspiring people on a daily basis. And she probably doesn't even know that she impacts me because I'm always reading stuff that she's written every single day, including this morning. So I love that she's out there really offering people hope, especially those that don't know how they're going to survive or get through the loss of a child or a sibling. Absolutely. Well, um, Alice uh, lost her four-year-old son, Daniel, uh, from cancer treatments, and she's got a fabulous new book called Getting Out of Bed in the Morning, Reflections of Comfort. I've got In Heartache, and it is, yeah, it is In Heartache. Right, Alice? Hey, welcome to the show. Hi. Yes, Getting Out of Bed in the Morning, Reflections of Comfort in Heartache. I'm looking at it. So, yes, that's correct. <laughs> well, Alice, thanks for everything you do for Open to Hope and for being such a great person to advocate for people to realize that there is hope after loss. We really appreciate that. You want to tell our audience a little bit about your son's death? Yes, and thank you so much for having me on the show, Gloria and Heidi. It's nice to be here again. My son Daniel was three when he was diagnosed, and at first we just thought it was a little growth in his neck, like in his, um, one of his, not veins, I guess, um, what are those things called in your neck? Anyway, but it kept growing and expanding, and the doctor said, well, maybe he was scratched by a cat, cat scratch fever. Of course, we didn't have a cat, but the doctors checked it out, and then surgery was an option to try to reduce the swelling that seemed to be happening there in his glands. That's the word, gland. I was trying to figure out that word. And the surgeon said after he performed the surgery, you're going to be a little disappointed because I really didn't drain that lump that much, but I got some tissue. It's kind of hard mass, but um, don't worry. It's not cancer. And I kind of thought it was odd that he would have said that anyway because no one had ever said that it would be cancer or that there was a possibility that it could be cancer. But the next day, Memorial Day weekend in 1996, it was cancer. And the pediatrician called me and told me over the phone that we needed to pick up the lab results from one hospital and take them to UNC hospitals in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, because that is where Daniel would be treated for his cancer. So that really changed our our lives, and Daniel was a very dynamic, curious, getting into trouble a lot, hated sleep and nap time type of kid, energetic and lively. It was hard to believe that he had cancer, 
and even more hard to believe later on after the severe chemo and radiation treatment of eight months that he would just be knocked out and that his body would be so weak that he could have a staph infection. So the staph infection crept in and his heart stopped. He was brain dead, resuscitated, um, and then that was the end. Wow. And he died in my arms. Um, he pretty much been in a comatose state for about two weeks. The hospital's orders were just to take care of the family and make the family, which was us, comfortable. And there was nothing more they could do for Daniel. So, so Alice, from died, the time he was diagnosed to the time he died, how much time are we talking? About eight and a half months. Wow. That is fast. So I just say, really, the cancer was was... Not what killed him, it was the treatment. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know they say, I'm a nurse, and I know they always say, you know, we can cure your cancer. The question is, will you live, you know, can you live through that whole process? Very tough. Right. Well, tell us, I know that you talk in your book about uh, the fact that you were angry at God and lost faith and that kind of thing. And we know a lot of our folks out there who have had similar stories to yours or who have just, uh, you know, lost a loved one, a husband or a parent or whatever, Tell us about, and they're angry with God. Heidi and I hear this all the time. What was your, what happened with you? I did feel very angry, abandoned. I think C.S. Lewis says that when his wife died, and he writes about this in his book, A Grief Observed, he felt God's back, like God had barred the door, turned around, and C.S. Lewis said he didn't know that death could fear, feel so much like fear. And I quote that in getting out of bed in the morning because I felt the same way. Just this fear of, I think a lot of parents feel this, you know, where is God? Am I going crazy? How long is this going to last? Can I survive? Do I want to survive? Mm -hmm. How can people say life is beautiful and worth living? I just don't know if I have any energy anymore to go forward. And I felt like I had had this, relationship with God, and it had been severed once Daniel died. Daniel was praying his boo-boo would go away. We were all praying. My parents, missionaries in Japan, people all over the world that we knew, and this was the end. Because your dad, because your dad, you were telling us earlier, was a missionary in Japan while you were growing up. So, so you had quite a religious community that were praying for him. Yes, yes, we did. And then it happened. He did not survive. How long were you angry with God, and and what would you say to people out there who are feeling that way? I think that I was just angry and then told by many in the community, you know, oh, no, you might be disappointed with God, but you don't say you're angry. So it's been a lot for me to be able to admit, you know, no, I was angry. I was mad. I was not just disappointed. And I actually think somebody in the community, you know how when your child dies, you never know who's going to come and stand by your side. Uh And I think we've all been through people that we thought were supportive or not. Well, this one Episcopalian pastor who wrote a column for our newspaper, he wrote to us. Because he had a column I enjoyed, and so I wrote to him privately, and he wrote back and said, weep boldly and grieve boldly and, you know, don't be afraid to call it what it is. And I just felt that that was wonderful because it gave me the freedom to know, here is a man of a cloth saying, it's okay to to weep, to be angry, to just show how I was feeling. I can't really Alice, put a I love that. on I, how long. 
I love that because you're you're making such a good point here because it's a legitimate emotion to be angry at whoever you're God and the world and the way your life is is right now after you lose someone you love so much. And like you said, when people try to shut it down and say, well, it's not okay to be angry at God, you're not allowed, that's wrong, it, it's not helpful. When, when people acknowledge it and validate it and we are allowed to give it voice, that's how we work through the anger, not by having it shut down. So I love that he did that for you. So Yes. So it sounds like that was a turning point for you. I wanted to ask you, what would you say to other people who have lost faith? Right now, they're at that point where you were. What would you say to them? I would say, don't be hard on yourself about it if it does bother you, and it probably does. Sometimes I think it's harder to have faith when your child dies and not, because then you have to contend with God, whereas maybe if you do not have any faith and never really acknowledge God in your life, you know, you don't have that component to have to argue, fight, wrestle with, like it talks in the Old Testament about how Jacob wrestled with the angel of God. I would say just, you know, weep boldly, go through it, stop everything that you have to, you know, all the platitudes, all the... Ways that you have maybe perceived life before that now it's going to be different and maybe some of your ideals, some of your go-to uh, scripture passages or thoughts are, have kind of faded away and aren't there for you anymore. But don't fear, because I think sometimes that is the worry that, oh no, I'm, I'm lo- I've lost God and other people may tell you that too. And maybe you won't feel like going back to your same church because the church can't handle you, so to speak. Maybe you will have to sit out of church for a spell, and that happened to me and my family. Maybe you'll find another place to worship, and hopefully you'll have a new, renewed, realistic faith. I think when we're raw and vulnerable, and then when we really struggle and wrestle, God hasn't abandoned us, even though it might feel like it. Looking back over the years, I see the growth that I have, and I really feel like myself and many others have a more realistic, tried and true faith. I like that thought. Uh, It's interesting, Heidi, that you may have to leave your religion and and find another, or, you know, maybe uh, you're not in the right place. What's your thought on that, Heidi? Mm -hmm. I I agree with you, yeah. I mean, I think that everyone is on their own journey, and for some people— staying where they are is good, and for others it's not. And, Mom, you've said something before on the show that you that people have said to us, it wasn't exactly the, the organized religion that they found helpful, it was the people within it right. that were helpful after a while. And, and people have actually said, uh, I remember Reverend Ritter we had on when I said to him, uh, I didn't find the theology helpful, and uh, particularly, I mean, it doesn't really answer your questions. The theology basically says we suffer and we learn and we grow, but it doesn't answer why and why me, that kind of thing. And and I said, so I didn't find the theology that helpful initially. And he said, uh, so I didn't find religion helpful, I basically said. And Reverend Ritter said, Gloria, it's the, the re- but I found the people helpful in my church. And he said, the people are at the religion, which I thought was a, a sweet thing. But what do you say to... Um, people who have been separated from their religion and, uh, you know, maybe they had a religion of their childhood, and but they haven't been to church for years. Have you got any thoughts on that, Alice? Would it be helpful? I think that, yeah, there are a number of people who shake an angry fist at God when their child dies. I've been with them at many 
bereavement meetings. They never gave God the time of day, so to speak, and then their child died, and suddenly I think they're looking at life in a larger view than they did before, and they're thinking about afterlife because they can't bear to think that their child or loved one no longer is alive, so they're thinking about heaven and possibly going back to the God of their youth that maybe they didn't really know that well. And I say in my book, Getting Out of Bed in the Morning, you know, get to know God now. Don't necessarily be barricaded or um, kept from God because of who he was in your past, because it may not have been a good experience. Mm -hmm. Maybe give God a chance, huh? I think so. Talk a little bit about your book and and how you formatted it, because you have uh, prayers in there and thoughts. And uh, Can you talk a little bit about getting out of bed in the morning, reflections of comfort in heartache? You want to talk a little bit why you structured it the way you did and your thoughts? Yes. Well, I think that um, I decided to, I wanted to write a book about loss and grief for a long time. It's been since 1997 since Daniel died, and I think right away, as many parents feel, they want to put their journal entries, their pain, into something tangible. So I've been working on bits and forms of it for quite a while, and this came about, and a publisher was interested in publishing it, Leafwood Publishers in Texas. So I was delighted about that when my agent told me. And it's structured with prayers, scripture, little chunks, because I found that when I was newly bereaved, I loved to gain insight from others, especially those who had been on the same parental bereavement path that I was now thrust onto. And I wanted little chunks because I think my attention span was a little short. And something that I could kind of um, look at and, and read and feel like, I'm not alone, I'm not alone. So that's what I want to offer to the readers of this who are going through whatever stage they're going through in their grief and loss. You're not alone. There are other people who have experienced it, who have survived, who are learning to live and thrive. It takes a lot of time. Your path and journey may be different. Um, as we know, there's not one proper way to grieve. There's a section at the end on walking because I found that helpful. To oh, I was gonna, I was telling Heidi, Heidi about that. One of the things that mm-hmm. I loved in your one of your early interventions with yourself was walking, and I said to Heidi, "Wow, when you get to the point where you can find your shoes and find your socks <laughs> and actually put them on." All you have to do is walk out the door or maybe put your coat on or whatever, right? Right, depending on if you live in New York City or California. <laughs> but what does walking do? What would it do for me? What did it do for you? Well, actually, it's taken me a while to do any sort of daily exercise. Exercise, that word, and I don't get along at all. And I know I was supposed to you know, do something. Um, when Daniel first died, I was pregnant with Elizabeth. So three months later, I had a baby. So I wasn't really into walking and putting on shoes or anything. Then I was changing diapers and taking care of a grieving Mm -hmm. six-year-old and um, an 18-month-old and then a new baby. And so the walking part has just been recently, the daily routine of it, three miles a day, just helps so much with your, to clear your mind. And as an author, it helps give me ideas for articles and books. And I think it's a great way to meditate, ponder on, Scripture, 
thoughts, look at nature, just feel alive, or maybe you don't feel alive, you feel sorrowful and lamenting, and that's okay too. I just think it helps sometimes to get out of your work environment, home environment, and get yourself moving, and it's great for your body physically. Well, Alice, tell uh, people how they can get your book and about your website, and also tell them about your child forum for Open to Hope. Yes, well, I'll start with the Open to Hope the child forum. I hope people will go to that at Open to Hope, loss of young child, and post things that they would like to um, talk about for discussions. Also, I have articles there that I hope well, people will find helpful and be able to read about death of a child. My website is Alice Whistler, which is just my name, and my last name is spelled W-I-S, and Sam, L-E-R. And from there, you can click on the cover of my book, and it will take you to Amazon, one of the many places where you can order it. You can also go to one of my three blogs. Broken Psalms is one that's sort of in connection with my book, Getting Out of Bed in the Morning. And then Writing the Heartache is just general writing through grief, which I have found so helpful. And I have little chunks about that in my book as well. And then there's my patchwork quilt, which is just kind of a hodgepodge of author interviews, things about my novels, because I have five novels that also deal with grief and loss. And then I also have some other workshops that I do, writing workshops, so you can find all those listed at various places. If you go to my main website, you'll hit writing the heartache workshops. And I offer those online, and, and also I offer them at conferences and seminars. All right, Alice, you're fabulous. And thank you so much for being part of Open to Hope and for being on the show today. Thank you. I enjoyed talking to you all. Thank you. Thanks, Alice. And thanks for all you do. You do so much in the grief community to give people hope. Thank you so much. Well, Heidi, it's been a great show today with Alice. She's a pretty amazing person, isn't she? She is. She does so much. And, and I love her whole thing about walking because you and I are both big walkers. I mean, I live in New York, so my feet are my vehicles. But the thing about it is, it doesn't take a lot just to get out and walk. I mean, you don't have to have some giant exercise plan in life to uh, get your body moving. Like Ella said, all you need to do is get outside and start walking. Absolutely. Well, we hope that you'll uh, listen to our show next week and visit us at opentohope.com. God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, Others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.